Hello and welcome, maybe even welcome back to all those people out there. Thank you so much for joining the Rugby Rundown with myself, Will Hooley, and of course, Mr. Alex Corbusiero. We really appreciate all your support, whether that's liking, sharing, listening, or just telling your friends and family. We love it. Corbs loves it. And Corbs, how are you, mate? How was your weekend? Because you've been busy again. You always are busy weekends at the moment. I'm good. Uh, hello, everyone. Great to be back, whether you're listening or watching. But yeah, it's... um. Obviously, last weekend before the official start of of the MLR kicks off pre-season-wise for us. So really, it was kind of my last weekend to have a little bit of fun. So I have been living it. I went to Kevin Hart in Long Beach on on the weekend. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was, um, you know, he's working on new material for his new special. So you had to like lock your phones up and stuff. And it was pretty hilarious. And probably the only spoiler I could say is that he's got a beef with Michael Jordan and he takes some shots and it's absolutely hilarious. So stay tuned when you see that on the Netflix special. Take they talk about big names there. Well, look, I'm not gonna lie, I was more in the NFL camp over the weekend because big playoff times across the National Football League. The Lions fans, I'm now a Lions fan. I've decided that I was in. You're on the bandwagon, Beach. mate. I've jumped on the bandwagon. I want to see them in the Super Bowl. Hashtag Lions all the way. Um, Corbs, talk about NFL. It's it's perfect. Because there's big news that's happened across the rugby landscape. Many people have seen. Louis Rees Samet, Welsh international and Gloucester star, has decided to go down the NFL international players pathway, which has caused quite a media storm. Corbs, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. You're taking all of that. I Listen. Mean, crazy. Uh, obviously, from a rugby point of view, sad to see, you know, Reese Lightning leave us. <laughs> yeah, uh, very good. You know what I mean? I, I, and, and for me, I, I obviously think he's an absolute talent. But what an exciting story. What an opportunity. I think, you know, some of the pushback or the hate that I think he got early on, like I really don't agree with, you know, people just think it's silly or whatever, but you know, the kid's been playing international rugby since he's 18. He's he's young still. Yeah, he's done five years. I believe he's been a British lion. Yeah, Like, do you know what I mean? He's gone to a world cup. He's been given an opportunity. He's absolutely gifted with attributes that suit him well to the NFL with his size, his speed, his all round sort of handling ability. You're going to have to say wide receiver or potentially that. running back with, with with what he brings. Kick returner though, probably. Exactly. Like realistic. again, a little bit out of my wheelhouse of of, <laughs> of specialties. Can we comment that? But much? but I but I do feel like it's an uphill battle for sure. You know, there's so much physical talent playing that sport from you know a young age in that competition. So he's going to have to jump in the deep end. But I have a little bit of insight. Remember when Christian Wade did it? I spoke to him. Exactly. He's a name. And yeah. and they've really put together like a program, even from when Wadey tran- uh, transitioned to now, of like really upscaling how much detail, attention. You know, you basically get paid a, a not a bad wage, from my understanding, to just train, to just install mm. with the aim of then trying to get into a sort of like a preseason with a squad get on a practice squad hopefully and then maybe the year after you're more looking to actually potentially like compete for roster spots it's a steep climb I don't know how he's going to do you know if you talk about some of the other positions like Harry Malander you know which we could yes, get on to I, I think kickers probably have the best shot of the transition for me I, I think from a punter field goal kicker with rugby that seems probably the easiest crossover that you can do but you know all credit to him excited to see how he does and you know from a rugby point of view we'll be rooting over him and now 
Talking of big stars, big money, we have to talk about <laughs> something in rugby. Now, it's been in the news for a little while now, uh, all about Owen Farrell and where he might end up. Uh, it was in the news about a week or so ago. He might be moving to Racing, he might not be. Well, it is official. Owen Farrell has signed two years with Racing 92, the Parisian top 14 club, um, worth apparently, I'm just hearing from sources, <laughs> That it's just over one million pounds a year. And for the Americans out there, of course, that's about 1.2, 1.3 mil in the bank. Uh, Corbs, look, it's not all about money. I'm very pleased. He deserves it. All the sort of media stuff that's happened in terms of uh, the negativity. I just think the guy needs to go and he's absolutely deserved his right to go and get this contract and go to Paris. I agree. You know, obviously we heard rumors and that sort of saying, you know, there's no smoke without fire. Obviously there was truth to it. And you know, full credit to him. I think he's got the backing of all his teammates at Saracens, all the coaching staff, the supporters. Um, you know, England fans will be gutted to not have yeah. him for, for a Premier couple of years. Fans. I mean, and, and and I agree with that. And 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 I think, but at the same time, what a credit to him. Um, you know, Stuart Lancaster, him have a very strong relationship. Yes, you'll know Stuart that, Lancaster yeah. capped, I think, Owen. You know, when Owen was probably 21, maybe just that year out of the yeah. 20s, that was uh, 2012, 12, Six yeah, Nations. Yeah, I remember playing New Zealand. Yeah, them. yeah, exactly. So he 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 backed um, Farrell from Young. They built a strong relationship and he knows really what he's bringing into that environment, the beast that he is behind the scenes, yeah. in the dressing room. Bring, yeah, yeah. And Rassinger are a team that are still desperate to win a Champions Cup. And, you know, I think Owen's got three of those to his name. So he knows a thing or yeah, two about them. So it's 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 a handy signing from them. And, and I think he's probably not going to be the last big name England player in the mix now that we see going and announced going to France either this year coming or the year after. Just to finish world news, it is the HSBC 7 Series. It's back in 2024 and the leg in Perth. We had Alona Mar on the show last week. Do go back and check that out. She was amazing. Uh, what, a, what a personality. She's going to be over there in Perth and the men and women. Corps, uh, start of the new year and it's a big year with the Olympics. It's a new dawn in the 7 season as they run into the Olympics. The men's team is fine. Finally up and running. Obviously, we caught up with Mike Friday yes, a little bit while we were, you know, interviewing Alona last week. And he seemed excited to get the boys back in, to get some reps under them. And, and is very aware of the work they have to do this year in the run-up and, and, and the margins and, and how, how tough sevens is, really. Contrast that with the women. They've kind of had their continuity a bit with their squad more from the first two legs. For them now, as we talked about last week, it's just dialing it down and trying to take some names in that top four bracket and show that they're really a force to contend in the medal rounds as they want to build confidence in their run-in to Paris Olympics. MLR news now, and there has been, of course, plenty of signings, but that's not what we really want to focus on today because I'm sure all you MLR fans, American rugby fans, fans around the world would have seen that there is a brand new team in Major League Rugby for 2024. It is Anthem. That is Anthem Rugby Carolina Corps. It goes to 12. 12 teams now in MLR. Listen, <laughs> it, I'm 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 absolutely chuffed for it. I yeah. think I think for the long-term future, for the success of the MLR, a partnership between MLR, World Rugby, USA Rugby, greatest thing that could happen in, in this short window of, of American rugby that we've had since the history of the MLR is that those sort of beasts are aligning. Credit the MLR for going seven years fighting their way to this point to yeah. now get the recognition and the support and the the 
cooperation of all those governing bodies together. That really makes it exciting for the future. Short-term snapshot, very hard to be able to launch this team in a short period of <laughs> That's time. That's why I laugh. I'm like... Schedule's oh, now finally out yeah, and confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Teams are pushing their season tickets. We now know the fixtures, the way it's going to go. The conferences are back, East yes, and West. Chicago are. have moved to the East as well, Makes which sense. is big news. And then I just think from Anthem... You know, so much to come from this in the long term, what this could be in World Cup years for Eagles, what this could be in the long term growth. So, so exciting, as well as it's just fresh and, and probably still getting figured out in some capacities as we're recording this. Absolutely, indeed. As a former USA player as well, I'm definitely excited by what's to come. And uh, make sure you tune in. Plenty more news is coming up your way about Anthem. But we wanted to get the real man to talk about it all with USA Rugby. It's Jonathan Atkinson. He has decided to come onto the show. Chief Operations Officer at USA Rugby. He sat down with Corbs to get all the scoop as the new side of Anthem RC. Let's get into it. And we are joined to talk the exciting news of the Charlotte Anthem franchise in the MLR. Chief Operating Officer, Jonathan Atkinson from USA Rugby. Welcome to the show. Alex, really appreciate you having us. It's a historic occasion to be launching this team. So happy to be here and talk about it. Yeah, let's get into it because obviously there was a little bit of rumbles in the press, but then nothing came for a little while. But just a little bit the origin story, how we got here, USA Rugby, World Rugby, MLR on the same page. What an exciting announcement. Absolutely. It's great to be able to talk about it publicly. I get kind of tired of telling people, you know, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but that thing I'm reading in the press seems really exciting. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, this has been, it's the result of a long-term partnership between World Rugby, Major League Rugby, and USA Rugby. Really, we started having conversations two or three years ago, you know, prior to the World Cups being announced about how we could partner and develop the game long term in a lot of different ways. You know, I know you've had Ryan Patterson on uh, a couple episodes ago talking about Imagine Rugby and, and the Hawks program. And, you know, last year it accelerated. We launched the Hawks program in conjunction with MLR and World Rugby. They played some games against South American teams, uh, some development games here in the U.S., and we were trying to figure out how do we keep expanding on that? You know, if you look at across the landscape of the recently completed Rugby World Cup, obviously a lot of countries that are really going for that one national team professionalized program. And for us, we have to do it a little differently, right? We've got partners here in the U.S. that are running a professional league. It's not going to look the same. But what MLR recognized was they wanted to help us accelerate the development. And the program this year is, is an outgrowth of that. Now, it may have gotten accelerated a little faster, as you pointed out, than we anticipated, <laughs> but it was the, uh, you know, everything came together in a unique set of circumstances to allow us to do it this year, as opposed to 2025. It, it's so exciting. And, and I do think you've put your foot on the accelerator. Obviously, the Hawks program was supposed to continue in some essence in Charlotte, which is obviously an amazing base for the, for the younger players to develop. And obviously, in a short period of time, I'm assuming with the sort of change in numbers in MLR teams, it, it opened the window for you guys to actually, you know, take the shot and say, we're going to do this. We're actually going to commit to a full MLR yeah, team. Yeah, absolutely. That was really, you know, probably in August, September, we were still talking about 2025. You know, Nick Benson, the MLR CEO, and I having a lot of conversations, along with Scott Lawrence from our side, the men's national team coach in World Rugby. And unfortunately, you know, as we were all saddened about the, the demise of both Toronto and New York, it did for us open up a window of opportunity. There were a lot of players on the market. There was a lot of reason to try and do it now. And around December, to give you an idea of how quickly that came together, we really started having conversations <laughs> wow. in earnest about 
hey, listen, we're talking about 2025, but what if we did it in 2024? Could, could we do that? And really, you know, again, because we're also aligned on the purpose of what this program can do for us, World Rugby, MLR, and USAR worked together to make it happen over the last six weeks to be able to launch now. And on the strength of the partnerships we have there in the city of Charlotte, you know, as you said, we had the program together. We had a staff in place. We had some players coming in. We had a lot of partnerships in place with MLR GMs, with the United States Performance Center, our great partners there at the University of North Carolina of uh, Charlotte, who have hosted us in the last year. It enabled us to be able to, to really be able to do this. And obviously that Charlotte uh, base uh, mm -hmm. with the performance center there and everything and the ability to house players, it, it is such a resource for USA Rugby. Is that sort of the long-term home of where you see the team operating from a national point of view as well? Or is this just purely from a development of MLR? Both is probably the answer. You know, certainly we're exploring long-term possibilities of how we build out a larger base there in Charlotte. You may not know, but North Carolina is actually our third largest youth rugby state in the country behind only California and Texas. A lot of people don't think about it, but it's a sleeper. It's uh yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed that. So that that's actually very exciting to hear and promising considering there's been no real MLR like ground, mm -hmm. you know, imagine rugby program that's been able to accelerate that like we've seen in other states already. That, that that's very exciting. And I guess we'll get slightly onto the long term uh, look of this and, and what it means for USA Rugby. But just first, the short term, obviously, Anthems is the name. And uh, I think it's quite fitting, obviously, with the United States and what it symbolizes from a national point of view. But then also, there's going to be a few challenges of getting up and running in this short period of time. You know, what are those and, and, and how do you foresee you getting through them? Definitely. First off, I'm excited about the name Anthem. I really think it encapsulates, you know, the unique opportunity of what we're trying to do as a U.S. team there. And for us, really, and you're nailing it in terms of the focus. The focus is long term, is what can we do to prepare our teams for 27 and 31, you know, the World Cups that we have coming in. MLR are great partners for us. Obviously, we have a lot of eagles around the league. Our goal isn't to take all of the established eagles out of the other team and put them in one place. We don't need to do that. What we want to focus on, at least in this first cycle specifically, is how do we get younger players? How do we get that generation that are going to be coming of age in 27 and 31? And how do we make them better faster? And really what we think is we give them more minutes on the pitch. So that's really the genesis of what we're trying to do. How do we get those young guns and get them out there 80 minutes a week, every week, get them battle tested the way they need to be ready to get out on the international stage? Very, very exciting. And, and and I think, yeah, for a young a young talent, obviously getting to come into this league and get a chance to actually play in the MLR, to have national team S coaches and facilities around you, the synergy from what will be coming down from the Eagles from the top down, I'm sure, as well. I, I see so many benefits. When you look at long term, um, you know, where do you think this program can go and, and, and what gets you really excited about it? Everything is the answer to the last part of your question there. I, you know, it's such a unique opportunity. You know, obviously, we've seen what the Fiji and Drua have done you know, with World Rugby Partnership there and Super Rugby. I think all of us would be, would be really excited if we could get the same benefit out of that. I think for us, it's about Americanizing that, that model. How do we do it in partnership with the league that we have established here? I think we'll take this first cycle. We'll see how the development goes. And then you know, we've all discussed 2027, 2028, when we get through that, let's refocus on what do we think we need to do next? Do we need to do more of this? Do we need to centralize more? Whatever it is that we need to do, centralize is probably the wrong word, but do we need to modify the approach to what we're taking? 
uh, to continue to grow to kick on to 2031. Obviously, we have really lofty goals about where we want to be in, in that competition here on home soil. MLR has been fighting for seven years now to sort of establish itself in the United States. This really solidifies it to me as, as, as a long-term project for, for everyone involved. But it also sort of adds that layer that um, it really sort of gives the national team that edge to have control a bit more of players and really sort of structure their club season that actually to the benefit of a national team as well. Absolutely. And that's, you know, sitting down with Ryan, with everyone else that's been involved there, with Kimball, with all the other owners who've come to these meetings – there is a real support from the MLR ownership to make sure that the national team is successful. And they understand how those things are linked together. You know, the national team needs to be good. It will help the league grow and vice versa. As the league grows, we recognize that our national team will be the beneficiary of all that American talent out on the field every week. For us, you know, being able to integrate it with Scott Lawrence, with Alama Iramia, you know, as you're discussing earlier, a guy who's coming in as one of our assistant coaches for the national team, it really gives us a vertical integration with this team to control talent development of where we are. And that long term is just going to be so beneficial. But Scott and Alex, you know, they're not stopping there. Sorry, Alex Ross, our performance director. They're out working with all the other teams about how do we do performance programming? How do we get our players ready? for the new Nations Cup, you know, in July and November, so that when they come off the MLR season, they're ready to play for us and roll right into the Nations, or sorry, the Pacific Nations Cup in September. Having all those things put together in a coordinated manner, that's how we're going we're gonna to be successful in the future. And then lastly, probably my final question for the fans that are listening that want to go and get excited to, uh, you know, Charlotte, you know, a couple questions when will the team be announced and a little bit on the home venue and, and what they should expect for, for an atmosphere and environment uh, to come to watch some MLR rugby in Carolina. Finally. Absolutely. And I don't know if you know or not, Alex, but I did live in North Carolina for 15 years. So it's a place that's near and dear to my heart. Oh, so you know I do. Well. I do. People are going to be excited to go there. Charlotte's a great city. It's vibrant. It's growing. The stadium is the American Memorial Legion Stadium. It's right outside of downtown. You can take the trolley from downtown right into the stadium itself. There's all kinds of barbecue, restaurants, food, bars, music, whatever you want there. It's a great city. Yeah, exciting. Hey, I'm telling you, it's a great place. We've been there before. I love the stadium. We have some good partnerships with local hospitality groups. People are going to be excited about the in-venue experience. For people to uh, looking for the, for the roster, it's going to be coming out shortly. Obviously, that's one of those things that we were in progress of building towards the Hawks program. So we've got a couple more exciting signings that are coming, but you can look for that the next week or so. Oh, very, very exciting, mate. Well, Jonathan, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for shedding light on, on all this exciting news and, you know, good luck with it all. <laughs> we'll all be rooting for it, you know, and uh, excited to see where it all thanks, goes. Thanks, Alex. Really appreciate you having me on. We now transition to the Premiership Rugby rundown portion of the show. We're obviously going to get through the upcoming games as Premiership Rugby is back on TRN this weekend. But again, get a very special guest on the show. Very fortunate is AJ McGinty, USA Rugby Eagle, Bristol Bears star. And Will sits down and talks it all with him. So I'm joined by AJ McGinty here on the rundown. A special rundown, a Premiership rundown, because there is a big game coming up on TRN. It is Bristol Bears versus Bath. But AJ, good to see you, buddy. How are you getting on? <laughs> very good, Hills. Very good. Great introduction. How are you? Uh, well, look, I'm trying my best. I'm like, how are you? How are you feeling? Because everyone, I'm sure, who has uh, watched you and kept an eye on you, you've come back from injury recently—a nasty hamstring injury. 
how are you? How's the body? You know, you're getting a little bit older now, mate. So how's the body? <laughs> uh, you know, actually pretty good. Uh, pretty good right now. I think the first two games back was probably just over enthusiastic and flying into stuff, getting my sort of nose in the wrong business. So I was pretty sore after our, our first two games, but following the third game, feeling a bit sharper, a bit more up to speed with stuff. Because uh, that's, I think, always the worry is just the fitness level. So, um, yeah, no, body's, body's feeling good. And talking about those previous sort of couple of games, I know coming off the back of Europe and a, a loss to your old boys, Connacht away, but also a great win last uh, round 11 in the Premiership, Sale Sharks. Again, another one of your former teams. What's the kind of mood in camp going into a massive West Country derby in what is, I'm sure, a really big game to try and pick up a result? Yeah, I think it's it's... It's obviously like excitement going into this game, I think. Sort of the atmosphere around the place, it's a sellout crowd, uh, bath are flying. Um, as you mentioned, like we beat beating sail away was a huge, a huge win for us. And to go up north and, and get that win, I don't think they'd been beaten in a long time. So uh we were off the back of a great win, but then coming into Europe, we've sort of I don't know, dipped in form or um not executed as well as we can. So this is I think looking at the, the premiership table, this is obviously it's a huge game being being a, a massive derby, you know, our closest rivals. And then just for that jump up the leaderboard as well, going into the breaks, it's going to be like a six-week break for the Six Nations. So, um, yeah, it's important to, to get a few more points before we go into the break. And then when we come back, obviously refreshed uh, after sort of this long stint and then sort of flying into the last, last block of the Prem. So Now, thinking back to the last time that you played Bath, um, I think it was something like, was it round, I want to say, earlier on the season, maybe sort of round six or five, and it was a 20.19 win for Bath at the wreck. Have you looked back at that game and seen things that you can really put right and, and potentially turn that result around? Because they're going well. They're a good team at the moment. Yeah, listen, they're they're going very well. Um, I think that game was probably just, just like the conditions in that game. It was, I think, going into this weekend with the weather, being a bit better, probably be a bit more expansive game, faster pace game, which probably plays to both their hands. Um, big physical pack bath, and then their backs have been have been carving off the back of that. So that front football they've been getting, and big powerful wingers, flair nine and ten. So um, and, and like listen, flair and power in the centres too. So it'll be a huge challenge for our backs, and I think for a pack up front. Um, yeah, listen, this is this is going to be a, a, a real physical battle. Um, and I think their form off the back of sure they're over in Toulouse and played very well, but had a narrow defeat. But um, they're 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 flying high, so they'll be hopping their way into into Bristol. And yeah, we got to shut them up, I guess. Now you've been at Bristol since I think 2021, if I'm right, uh, under Pat Lamb. You were with Pat Lamb before at Connacht as well, back uh, a few more years ago. Talk to me about the sort of working with Pat, the goals of Bristol this season. You want to win on the weekend to try and get yourself towards that top four. Is that being talked about at the moment? Yeah, well, I think it's always in the back of back of everyone's mind. It's something probably when you sit down and start of the year, that's that's the target, get top four um, with the like, aspirations of going on and, and winning it. So I think Bristol over over the last years, have we, we've underperformed. And um, I think for the... The city, like it's a sports mad city. The fans are unbelievable, like, and it's just a case of yeah, perform, performing well. Was 
I think the excitement and the buzz around the place when you're, you're getting results is incredible. Um, like my debut was last year, it was a home game against Bath. And yeah, for, for a premiership, for a prem game, it was like the noisiest and the biggest crowd I felt I think I've ever played in where you can't even hear the call. So it's probably a bigger crowd this weekend. So I'm expecting you're not going to hear anything around you. So it's kind of be like instinct and play and playing. Um, so it's exciting, but yeah, as a group, listen, any, any, any player, I guess it's obviously very difficult because everyone's gearing for the same thing, but um, it's that top four, put yourself in the spot for a playoffs and anything can happen. So um, yeah, we've, that's, that's why I said that sale win was, was massive for us. And I guess we got, we have to back that up with another Prem win. So if you beat Bath at home, does it maybe signify like a successful season? A West Country derby like this, is a season kind of dependent on making sure that you beat your neighbours? Um, I'm obviously new to this area, but I think every Bath, every Bristol fan here would be like, they want it, they want one up on, on Bath. Um, players as well. You know, I've been out injured. Genji was out injured. So doing the rehab and just, just speaking to him about what drives him and what's his big games and what does he feel going into Prem games. And obviously England's the, the, the peak for him, but he said growing up, it was like, I just want to be Bath. You know what I mean? That was the big thing for him growing up as a kid around Bristol. Um, so like that kind of signifies how massive it is. Um, to me, like almost like you're, the, the football derbies, the football rivalries uh, in the premiership. So, um, yeah, it's it's a huge game. Like, it, it means a lot to, to the people. So, uh, I think it's in our interest to reward them with with, with a win, uh, no matter how, how it is, ugly or not. Uh, the whole place will be buzzing. So, yeah, it's important to win Saturday. Well, AJ, it's been great to have you on the rundown. We wish you the best of luck going up against Bath this weekend. It's TRN Match of the Week. AJ McGinty, thank you for joining us on The Rundown. So good to speak to my old pal, former teammate of mine, AJ McGinty. Great to see him back fit from that hamstring injury. And Bristol are starting to build that last premiership round. Big win away at Sale. But this one's really huge. To have a West Country derby, Bristol against Bath, it is the match of the week on the Rugby Network. Do not miss that. And talking of matches on the Rugby Network, Gallagher Premiership action, of course, is back. And Corb's getting straight into it. Harlequins, who are going well, second in the league against Leicester, who need to get a win to get into that top four. Must win game for Leicester Tigers. Obviously, this top four is going to be an incredibly tight run. And as we've mentioned numerous times in the table says enough of how close it is. Interesting games, how these are going to go with some of the England players. And they are away at the moment, With yeah. Going to probably not be available this weekend and stuff as a run into the Six Nations as they're in training camp at the moment. But I think it's an exciting game. Obviously, styles clash and it's a real te test of depth yes. through the depth charts of where both teams are. Probably give Quinns a nod because they're at home. Because they're at home. I would go the same indeed. Still, I'll sit on the fence, but I'll say the same. <laughs> um, Saints. Now, we have bigged them up for, for a while now because they're doing so well. I, I want to say it's something like nine or ten consecutive nine wins. Nine wins in a row. Across all the competitions. They are back at home against Newcastle Falcons, which you would assume should be straightforward. But as Corbs has said, England players are away. Newcastle picked up their first win of the season at Pepinion in the Challenge Cup. Could there? Be an upset? Is it even like 
thinkable? Like, I don't Listen, know. it's possible, but I don't think so. I think Saints, even missing, uh, you know, some guys that have really earned their call-ups, they still have strong depth. Yeah. They, you know, they've got really good players. They're, you know, the way that their academy has sort of filtered through over these last years, continuity, style of play. And when you're winning, sometimes the belief in your team and, and Franklin's Gardens will be rocking no matter who's on the field. I think that Saints is win. I think Newcastle, you know, they got the win against Perpignan. They're going to fight tooth and nail. It's obviously been a tough one with Alex Codling stepping away as well and and change. And it sounds like yes. um, Steve Diamond Steve coming in yeah, there yeah, as well. So you never know. Yeah. You sometimes get a little bounce up effect with a new coach. But for me, that Saints, Saints game all day. Well, there's a huge game going on in London. Saracens versus Chiefs. Chiefs, notorious, two former teams of mine. And the last time these two uh, teams met in the Premiership was, well, I think the first round of the season where Chiefs wiped the floor of a Sarri side who were missing internationals back then. Again, internationals might be away or are going to be away, I should say, uh, this time around. At Saracens, though, do the Chiefs have a chance? Or are we saying Saracens need to find something? Because they haven't been great. I, I, I don't know again. This is another one really hard to call. I think, obviously, Saracens, this is make or break for them in this run-in to stay in the top yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. And so, for me, I think they're going to have to chuck everything at it. I think you'll be blessed by having guys like Owen Farrell available, who maybe, yes. you know, because he's taking a sabbatical from England in this season. For me... I think I would favor Exeter because they are not actually missing that many players. <laughs> and when you look at what maybe Saracens could be missing, but I think the desperation of Saracens, I'm going to go with Saracens. Mm, yeah, and I think Farrell being there and, and the news coming out of them, we discussed earlier on the show, I just think he might be a bit more relaxed. And maybe that sort of goes in their favor. The final game of the Gallagher Premiership uh, going on this weekend is Gloucester against Sale. Gloucester need to do something our mate, your mate, specifically Don Wardock, I'm sure will be gagging for a win there. Sale as well. They need to find their form back. Um, I'd assume Sale Sharks v Corps. Assume? It's, again, a really, really hard one to call. And that's what's going to be exciting about this whole round of Premiership Rugby this weekend. For me, obviously, Gloucester in desperation mode. They need to sort of turn a corner and show some positive signs. But Sale have been on a bit of a slip for me as well. And, you know, there was a time where you were saying they're definitely a top four team. And if they lose another one now, I think they're two lost two in, in the premiership yeah. in a row. They lose another one now. That's how you start sinking your way out and, and maybe, you know, missing out on that top four. Someone wants to say Gloucester. I'm going with the Skivington, Skivington vibes. I don't know. I'm just picking that one from there, but I, I'm, I'm backing them for some reason. I think their desperation could be enough. Could be enough. Just a quick look at the table cause before we uh, we finish this. Um, obviously going into uh, round 11. So Northampton Saints still sit on top with Exeter Chiefs. Sale and Bath in the top four, but it's all to play for below, isn't it still? It's it's going to be a photo finish. And that's why like we're talking with these games. You know, you've just every little point counts. Look at Harlequins and Leicester there. Obviously, Leicester get a win there. They really close the gap and start thinking top four is possible. Quinns get a win there. They start to open up and potentially pull away a little bit and then can start looking up to your Saracens and other teams that, again, as they've got a big game against Exeter Chiefs, right on the precipice of either dropping or maybe closing the gap and having a little sniff. But so hard to call, so few points in it. You know, good on-prem rugby for really delivering this season. It is delivering and it can be delivered to you because all you have to do is subscribe to TRM Plus and get all the Premiership action this coming weekend and for the rest of the season. So a quick look at the PWR action that happened on the weekend. There were some big results that happened. 
None more so than that all-massive encounter between Gloucester Hartbury versus Saracens at Gloucester. Two teams unbeaten, and there was only one that could take it in the end. Gloucester Hartbury getting a 27, uh, sorry, 24-point win to 15 against Saris. Uh, Tigers, first win of the season. Good on them. Well done. First win of the season uh, away at Sale. It was Bristol uh, Bears that beat the Harlequins. And then Loughborough Lightning, as you can see there, uh, to really taking it easily against the Trailfinders. Corbs, we have one unbeaten team left in the PWR. And they're the defending champions in a reason. That could be a final preview down mm. the line. And, and it just shows. We've talked about the theme of maybe three teams being sort of maybe in that mix when you watch them play. And obviously... To see that game, to see uh, Hartbury, uh, Gloucester Hartbury get the win, that would be a big confidence boost for them in the run into these playoffs. And, you know, probably sets where those teams are right now and exciting stuff. So that's it. Another show in the bag. Plenty of rugby coming up on the Rugby Network, TRM Plus, all those Gallagher Premiership games that we've discussed, uh, and also PWR action. It is Sale versus Exeter. Pretty action-packed show. Jonathan Atkinson coming on the show. AJ McGinty, Anthem Rugby, Prem Rugby, NFL. I mean, could have made an hour out of it. <laughs> Exciting times for rugby and for you rugby fans in America. Obviously, yeah, AJ, what a G. To get the scoop on Anthem, it all sounds so positive long-term and pretty incredible what's actually been able to be turned around in such a short period of time. And then, yeah, lots of rugby this weekend. And then we've got the Six Nations on the horizon to probably talk about a little bit next week as well. Exciting times. Absolutely. And don't forget that Six Nations full contact that's on Netflix. Go and have to watch that. All rugby fans have to watch that. Tell your friends as well. From me and Corbs, thanks for watching. Join us across all the socials at Rugby Rundown TRN, YouTube, and of course on podcasts. Corbs, see you next week. Should be a good one.